Good morning, church. Glad you are here this morning. And uh, today we're jumping back into the Gospel of John. We spent four weeks talking about who we are as a church, and I hope that you were here for that. If not, please go back and listen to it because we talked about who we are, what, what drives us, what we believe, and ultimately how you can be part of this family. And so if you've not yet joined our church, I mean, I want to be part of this church. If you'll go back and watch those and let us know, we would love to help you with those next steps. Now today, we're going to jump back in to the Gospel of John. We've been out through the month of January, but as we jump back in, we're going to be in chapter 9. And we started John's Gospel back in August, and as we started in John's Gospel, we kind of seen a lot of stuff. We saw at the beginning of John's gospel that Jesus lays out, that John lays out for us who Jesus is. And we know from John 1, 1, that Jesus is God. Amen, church? And he lays that foundation. And then we see later Jesus begin to have one-on-one conversations. Conversations that, that foster this idea of what does it really mean to be all in for him. And then during the Christmas season, we were talking about and looking at stories that it wasn't just about acknowledging who Jesus is, but it was about embracing who Jesus is. And today we began a journey because in a couple of chapters, chapter 12, we start the, the, what I would call the descent. We start that journey where Jesus is beginning the path to the cross as he enters in and the triumphal entry. But just before that, in chapter 9, we began to see a really big a little shift in what's going on. We see the shift where now people... We're going to start seeing are really struggling, deeply struggling to believe who Jesus is. Now, let me tell you why they were struggling. The struggle came as a result of, especially in this story, they struggled believing Jesus because what they saw happen or what they heard happen was unexplainable. And because it was unexplainable, there were those that go, we just can't buy that. Because we can't get our heads wrapped around that. Because that doesn't make logical sense to us. Because it is unexplainable. We're just not sure that we're going to buy into what you are offering. Now let me tell you why this passage is crucial for all of us. I think many of us wrestle with what we're going to see in the passage today. Many of you, we live in a place where life happens, doesn't it? Life happens around us, and sometimes we begin to ask questions about how and why, and we look at the explanations of all that goes on around us. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes when things appear to be unexplainable, and we can't get our heads wrapped around it, and when it logically makes no sense to us, is it possible that in those moments, it stifles our growth in Christ? Because we're still stuck and needing explanation. And so today I want to look at a story, a story of really two groups of people, one person and a group of people that really saw this whole story differently. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 9, and I want to start by, I want us to see first of all, this unexplainable miracle that happens in John 9. Unexplainable miracle in John 9, beginning in verse 1, and it says this, as he passed by, he saw a man, talking about Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. And the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it is not this man who sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's the day. Night is coming and when no one can work, as long as I'm in the world, I am the what? Light of the world. 
Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva, and then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Shalom, which means to be sent. So he went, washed, and came back seeing. Now, when you look at that miracle, I think we can all agree that this is an unexplainable miracle, isn't it? And when the miracle, the story starts, Jesus and his disciples are passing by and they see a guy born blind and they ask Jesus the question, who sinned? I mean, for them in Jewish culture, we don't think this way, but if you had any kind of ailment, if you had anything that was debilitating toward you, in Jewish culture, they believe that it was a result of somebody's sin, either your sin or a family member's sin. And since this guy has been blind from birth, is it possible that it's mom and dad's sin? And Jesus immediately corrects his disciples, doesn't he? And what does he say? He said, this guy was born blind, not because of sin, but because God wants to manifest his glory and his power, right? In other words, God allowed this guy to be born blind because God knew there was going to come a day when this guy was going to receive his sight. And so Jesus tells him, he said, listen, no, here's why he's born blind. It's because the works of God might be displayed in him. Not sin, but God's going to show up. And then Jesus says something fascinating. He said, and as long as I'm in the world, I am the what? Light, Light of the world. Now, why would he say that? Because he wanted to remind his disciples, here's a guy who is physically in darkness. Jesus knowing he's about to receive his sight. And he wanted the disciples to make that, make that connection that only he is the one that has the authority to give sight to the blind and to bring those in darkness into light. This is greater than the physical situation going on. Jesus is talking about spiritual conditions too. He's the only one that has authority to take someone who's walking in spiritual darkness and give them the light of life. So Jesus says, listen, here's why this guy's born blind. God's about to show up. And he's going to show up through me. And you're going to see me do something that's going to blow your mind. This guy who's walking in darkness is about to walk in light. Now, if I'm a disciple, listen, if I'm a disciple, I'm interested. Aren't you? How's that going to happen? Anybody else with me on that one? What's the plan? Anybody, anybody a plan person in the room? Five of you. The rest of you get on board. How many of you are plan people? Right, right. You want to know the plan. And so if I'm a disciple and I hear Jesus say this, I want to know what is the plan. And so here's the plan. Are you ready? You ready? Here's the plan. Jesus spits on the ground. My first thought is, that's just gross, right? <laughs> Come on, you think the same thing, don't you? That's just kind of gross. And he takes his saliva and spitting it on the ground, and he begins to make a paste that we call what? Mud. mud. And he takes the mud and he places it on the guy's eyes. Now, think about that just for a moment. If I'm the disciple, there's something about me going, okay, this is kind of gross. But on the other side, there doesn't appear to be anything scientific about this that's going to bring about sight. You just spit on the ground and you made mud and you put it on his eyes. There's something about this that just like, I don't know where you're going with this. Jesus, right? And he puts the mud on the guy's eyes he says, go to the pool of Shalom, and I want you to wash. And you pick up on what it says there? He went, and he washed, and what happened? He came back seeing. He came back seeing. Now, I know we've read this story maybe hundreds of times, but how many of you would have been blown away if you were one of the disciples who experienced what just took place? 
You're walking by, you have some concerns, Jesus corrects your concerns, and then he spits on the ground, makes some mud, puts it on his eyes, say, hey, go wash and come back. And the guy comes back, and he is seeing, I mean, if, if, I, mean, if I was in that moment, I would be blown away, wouldn't you? Now, here's the point. When you look at this story, it is unexplainable how Jesus could spit on the ground and make mud and put it on this guy's eyes as if it was going to provide a, a, a pathway to seeing, isn't it? It is unexplainable how mud, I, I mean, because when you think of mud, I mean, the best case scenario with mud is, I think, exfoliating. I mean, so that's the best case scenario, right? There's nothing about mud. There's nothing about the texture of mud. There's nothing about the content of mud that can do anything to the iris or to the lens that would eventually give you sight. What happened here, can we all agree, is 100% unexplainable. Amen? But here's what's undeniable. He came back seeing. Are you with me on that? He came back seeing. As I read the story, the question pops into my mind, what was more valuable to this blind guy? Knowing how it happened or celebrating that it did happen? Do you think he was caught up in the why or he was focused on I can see for the first time in my life? Like, here's why I ask. I think some of us get so caught up in the explanation of things, we neglect and let it overshadow the undeniable things that God does in our lives. The undeniable provision that he provides. The undeniable protection that he provides in our life. We get so wrapped up in, I've got to know why, I've got to know how, I've got to know, I've got to know, I've got to know, that we neglect and overshadow that God has shown up and done something awesome in our lives. This is an unexplainable miracle. But what is undeniable this guy can see. Now, let's look what happens with this guy. Let's, let's, let's go back and, and look at what happens with the guy. Verse 8 through 12 says this. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He, he keeps saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud. And he anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So guess what? Here it is. You ready? Highly complicated. You ready? So I went and washed and I received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. And what I want you to notice is while we see this unexplainable miracle, the second thing we see is this. We see this guy have faith in that which is unexplainable. This guy had faith and that which is unexplainable. Do you see a moment in the narrative that I just read? Do you see a moment where the guy goes, wait a minute, Jesus, time out. Can you give me a biology lesson of how mud is going to help me see? Can, can you give me some insight there? Do you see that moment? Do you see the moment where he goes, Jesus, time out. I mean, what you're going to do is unheard of. Could you please pause and explain for me every nuance of what's going to happen? Could you give me a detailed explanation of what's going to happen? Did you see him do that? Come on, church, did he do that? No, what did he do? He said, all right, here's what I know. <laughs> here's all I know. I was blind. A guy named Jesus spit on the ground and made some mud. He put the mud then on my eyes and said, go wash, and I did, and I can see. It's all I know. It's all I care to know. 
See, what I love about this guy's faith was, his faith was, even though this miracle was unexplainable, his faith was in Jesus, the one who was doing the miracle. His faith was not in, I know how it happened. His faith was in that Jesus wanted to do something for him. This guy cared very little about knowing how, and all he cared about is, I want to see. Are you with me on that, church? Now, hear me on this. I think many of us are in the opposite category. We let what is unexplainable trump what is undeniable. For example, just for example, and we've talked about this a little bit before, I have a microphone on. I have a big enough mouth, I probably don't need it, but I have a microphone on. If if you explain to me the nuances of how this microphone works, here would be Doug's conclusion. I don't get it. I don't get it. When you start talking about this teeny tiny mic picking up this voice, running through a pack in my back that goes somehow through waves and signals that sends it to another pack that somehow goes through a soundboard and sends it back to these speakers and amplifies it and gets it out. When you explain the nuances of how it goes, my conclusion is still going to be, I simply don't understand what you're saying. It's unexplainable to me. But what's undeniable, it works. Right? And listen to me, church, this is my conviction. I think in our lives, when it comes to the world, we always let what is undeniable trump what's unexplainable. Meaning, my microphone works, so we're like, okay, I don't need to know how it works, because it works. But when it comes to matters of faith, we don't live that way. We want what is unexplainable to trump What is undeniable? I want to know how it happened. I want to know why it happened. And here's a blind guy, and he simply said he put his faith in the one who did the miracle. So we have this unexplainable miracle. We see the faith of the blind guy in the miracle. And that leads me to the third thing I want you to notice. It's found in verse 13. Look with me. It says this. They brought to the Pharisees, the the neighbors, brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Kind of like formerly known as Prince, right? Formerly been blind. Now, it was on the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. We know that's offensive. So the Pharisees asked him again, how have you received his sight? And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and now I can see. Do you see how he's shrinking the story down? Do you see a little bit of sarcastic, funny tension in the story that's going on here? He gives this great, grandiose explanation. He shrinks it down, and now the Pharisees call him, and here's what he says. Listen, here's what happened. He put mud on my eyes, I washed, and now I can see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things, or signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to him again, blind man, I love this. Blind man, what do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes. He said he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son? Are you following what's going on in the story? Are you you getting the humor of what's going on here? Is 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 this your son? And who, who says he was born blind? How then does now he see? And listen to his parents, verse 20. His parents answered, we know that this is our son. And that yes, he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. 
Ask him. They've already done that, right? Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Verse 23, therefore his parents said, he's of age, just ask him. Now, we see this unexplainable miracle take place. And we see this blind guy have faith, even though it was unexplainable. But now we have religious leaders who lack belief in that which is unexplainable. These guys come along and they ask him questions. How did it happen? And he explains it to them and they refuse to believe what he said. In fact, when the parents showed up as the only kind of nudging of information we get that they might have at some level believed that maybe this was the guy that was born blind. But we find at the end of the story, they didn't believe it was Jesus because they kicked the guy out. I mean, these guys refused to believe in that which is unexplainable. They refused. Why? Because they suffered spiritually what this guy had suffered physically. They were blind, right? He was physically blind, and these guys were spiritually blind. And so because of their spiritual blindness and because of their lack of ability to see what was going on and to put their faith in Christ, they simply refused to believe and that which was unexplainable and they're going to continue their journey. So you got this unexplainable miracle and you see the blind guy who has faith, but then you see the, the preachers of the day, the pastors of the day, the religious leaders who go, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Now, just think about that for a moment. You've got somebody who's far from God, who has faith, and people who claim to be near to God who have no faith. Is that not a problem? And they refuse to believe. And then look what happens next in the story. The fourth thing I want you to notice, and I love this. Verse 24 to 34 says this. For the second time, this is the fourth time he's explained for the second time to the Pharisees. They called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God, right? We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, though I was blind, now I what? I can see. Now I was blind, but now I can see. Verse 26, they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have already told you, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become one of his disciples? And they reviled against him. In other words, they were angry with him. You are his disciples, but we are the disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. Then the man said this, why is, this why is this an amazing thing? You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin. And would you teach us? And then they cast him out. I mean, the guy that just put his faith in Jesus is giving a spiritual lesson to guys who claim to be spiritual people, right? 
Now, what I love about this is that we see that this guy gives a testimony of not what's unexplainable, but of what is undeniable. This guy, this undeniable, this unexplainable miracle, and he puts his faith in it, but then you get these religious leaders who refuse to believe, and then this guy comes along, and he gives a testimony of what is undeniable. And you pick up on what he said here. He said, listen, here's what I know. I once was blind, and now I see. I keep telling you this, and you're not listening to me. Is it possible you too want to be the, one of the disciples of Jesus? I mean, this was like the jab of all jabs, right? I mean, this was like that moment where like, okay, you keep asking me, maybe you want to be a disciple. And I could just, I bet their blood pressure just elevated. I bet their face got red and there was like smoke coming out of their ears, right? And so he challenges them on that. And then I love how he ends it. And this is the most important thing. Here's the testimony he gives. You ready? I don't know where he comes from, but here's what I do know. God doesn't listen to sinners, only people who love him and worship him. So if this guy wasn't from God, he couldn't do what he's done. That's my testimony. That this guy, while I don't know him, he's got to be from God. Now, I love that. Here's a guy born blind, which in Jewish cultures means that he, he, was, he was viewed as someone who was less than, who wasn't able to worship the way he would want to worship. And so he was left out of so many different things. And Jesus shows up on the scene and does an unexplainable miracle. And this guy, instead of asking questions, he just does what he's told. Don't you wish you had kids like that? I mean, he just goes out and does 100% what he's told. Go wash and come back, and he comes back and he can see. And he put faith in Jesus. And then you've got the religious leaders, the spiritual leaders of the day who don't believe. And then this guy comes along and he gives testimony. He goes, look, here's what's undeniable. I can see, like right now, I can see. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he came from, but here's what I know. He has to be from God. And then here's the climactic moment of the story we're about to read. Find in verse 24. It says this. I'm sorry, in verse 35 through 41. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, read it with me, I believe. And he worshiped him. Verse 39. For judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Here's the climactic moment. After all this happened, unexplainable miracle, this one guy has faith. The religious leaders refuse to believe. This guy bears testimony that he's got to be from God. And here comes this last moment where Jesus gives a moment of self-reflection, a moment where he approaches the, the, the man and the religious leaders approach him, and he asks him this basic question. Here's what he asks the man. Do you believe? Hey, I know what happened is unexplainable. And I know that you know that what is undeniable is that you can see. And what I'm asking you is this. Will you let what is undeniable trump what is unexplainable 
and put your faith in me. And what does the guy say? Yes, I believe. I don't have to know how. I don't have to know why. All I know is I was once blind, and now what? I can see, and I believe. And then you've got the religious leaders, and he, they approach Jesus, and, and let's go back to what Jesus says. It's for judgment I came into this world, that those who may see may, be, uh, may see, those who don't see may see, and those who see may become blind. In other words, I've come into this world to, shed, to bring light, and for those that are blinded, I want to bring them into light. And those who think they can see, <clears throat> they're going to be blinded. Now, what's he saying? He's like, if you as a religious leader, you as a Pharisee need to know that you are spiritually blinded. And if you would recognize and confess who I am, I would open your eyes. But if you refuse and you keep walking down this path of refusing who I am, look what it says here at the very end. He says, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say, we see your guilt remains. In other words, because you think you've got it all figured out. And you think you've got God figured out. You are missing it. What a sad moment that must have been. Now what ultimately was Jesus saying to them? You ready? Here it was. This guy was blind and knew he was blind and he wanted to see. You guys think you've got everything figured out and you can see clearly. But the truth is you're the ones that's blind. And as I read this story, here's the question that I want us to ask ourselves this morning. Which character in the story do you most identify with? Who can you most identify with? You identify with the blind guy who can acknowledge that there's some things that happen in life that are totally unexplainable. There's some things that can happen in this world, happen in our families, happen with our finances, happen in our relationships. It's totally unexplainable. But you are like the blind guy. Rather than asking the how and the why, you choose to focus on the undeniable truths of God's word and his love and his provision. And you don't got to know why. And you don't have to know how. And you just are going to trust God. Are you like the blind guy? Or are we like the Pharisees? Are we like the religious leaders? That if we got enough evidence, then we might believe. If we had enough understanding, then we might believe. Who are we most like in the story? Now, to help you define that, I want to give you some examples. Okay? And I want you to think about this this morning. Because for all of us, we know that, for example, we know that one thing that's unexplainable, the unexplainable truth of tragedy, and many of you have gone through tragedy in your life, one of the unexplainable truths of tragedy is why, right? And when tragedy happens, what's the first question everybody wants to know? Come on, what, what do they want to know? Why? And quite frankly, I've done this a long time and said with many families, and so many people are living in Why? Why God? Why God? How God? Why could you God? And they're living in the why it could happen. They're living in the unexplainable rather than living in the undeniable truth that God is with us and that he loves us. Because listen, tragedy, you know why they call it tragedy? Because it's tragic. And why and how, listen, here's what I, here's what I believe with all my heart. Even if you knew why, it still wouldn't help. There's still hurt, still brokenness there, right? 
And for some of us who've experienced tragedy in our lives, we are living in the unexplainable things. We're living in the why. And I'm asking you this morning to drop that and say, I'm going to live in what's undeniable, and that's that God loves me, and God cares for me, and he's with me. Another thing that's unexplainable, it's unexplainable why a spouse would abandon and walk out on another spouse. It's unexplainable, isn't it? It's unexplainable why a parent would walk out on their family. It's absolutely unexplainable. But what's undeniable is we serve a God that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That I will stick to you and be closer to you than a brother. Right? That's what's undeniable. And for some of you, maybe you've experienced that. You've had a spouse walk away or a parent just jet out of your life. And listen, I know that is unexplainable. I know there's hurt with that. But why is not going to bring you any peace? But if we focus on the undeniable truth that he is with us forever, it will give us peace. Another thing that's unexplainable is why in the world, why in the world would God love you and I? Why would he love us? I don't know about you, but I'm, I rebel. Anybody else rebel here? I rebel. Why in the world would God love us? But here's what's undeniable. That he sent us into the world to demonstrate his love for us. Right? What is unexplainable as to why God would use any of us? I mean, I know some of your stories, and you know some of my story, and we think about the sinfulness of our lives. Why in the world, it's unexplainable, why in the world would God use any of us in this room? But what's undeniable is that God always provides forgiveness and a way back to him because he wants to use us. Here's my point. Please get this. We've got to stop living in the unexplainable things of life. Stop living in the why and the how and start living in the undeniable truths of God's word that he loves us, that he's for us, that he's with us, that he cares for us, that he's got a purpose for us, and that he desperately wants to use each and every one of us. So I want to challenge you this morning. For all those of you here this morning that are believers, I want to challenge you with this truth. Would you make this commitment today? Would you commit to lean on that which is undeniable and stop focusing on what's unexplainable? Does that make sense? Say amen if it does. Would you make a commitment to stop leaning on the unexplainable things of life and start focusing on the undeniable truths of how God loves you and cares for you. And for some of you, listen, I know your stories. And I know that maybe you're living in the why of hurt, living the why of abandonment, living in the why of your own sin and like, God, why would you care about me? Why would you use me? Why would you love me? Listen, stop asking the unexplainable why and start going to the undeniable truth of God's word and start leaning on that. And maybe this morning you need to come to this altar and just commit that to the Lord. Maybe you want to go and talk to somebody that can pray with you and say, would you help me with this? I'm living in the why and I'm living in the unexplainable and it's wrecking my soul. I want to start living in undeniable truths of God's word. And then if you're here this morning and you never trusted Jesus as your Savior, can I challenge you this morning to receive the undeniable love of God? When you read this book, there is a thread that goes all the way through it. You ready? You know what it is? The depth and the width of God's love for us. So much so that he would send his only son to die on a cross for us. And that we can have eternal life, not through our works, but through just receiving the gift of salvation by putting our faith in Jesus. And for some of you today that never have trusted him as your Savior, 
would you receive the undeniable love of God this morning? So here's what I want us to do. Let's all stand together. Everybody stand with me. Everybody stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed.